there! Thanks for listening to the Elevate Christian Church podcast. We exist as a church to connect people with God and each other. Today's message comes to us from our lead minister and preacher, Kevin Barton. We hope this inspires you, grows you, and challenges you in your faith and your walk with Jesus. Enjoy! We're going to continue with our series, Oh, Death. Now, last week we talked about dying physically, all right? And, and we came up with the conclusion that if you're in Christ, you're good, right? The physical death is just a crossover uh, into eternal life. Today, we're going to look at the subject known in the Bible as the second death. The second death. Now, before we get into the subject of the second death, I want to remind you of two what I call baseline kind of calibrating teachings that we always refer back to because we're going to go back to these as we maneuver through this subject. Uh, all right, and the first baseline teaching that, that you hear repeatedly around here is this. Uh, we are triune beings, all right? God is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God cre- created us as triune beings. We have a body, we have a soul, and we have a spirit. And so the first baseline teaching is this. Uh, we are born with a body, a dead spirit, and a damaged soul. So all of us in here were born alive with our bodies, but we have a dead spirit inside and a damaged soul. All of us were born with a damaged soul. Look at uh, Psalm 51.5. This is King David writing this. And he says, um, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in, my, and in sin my mother did conceive me. That word iniquity means bent. So here's what David's saying. I was born with, I was born with a damaged soul. Uh, sin has, has damaged my soul. Even, even at my birth, I, I carry this sinful Adamic nature. Not original sin, but I'm a son of Adam and, and I've got this sin in me. All right, so we're born with this damaged soul. What happens is, if you remember, once you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and Jesus washes your sins away, what happens is the Holy Spirit enters into your heart and that dead spirit that's inside of you, he resurrects. He, he raises the dead spirit. And so then you start to repair your damaged soul. 1 Peter 3.18 For Christ also suffered once for all sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. So that's baseline teaching number one. So if you are in here and you wear the name Christian and Jesus has regenerated your heart, what that means is is he raised that dead spirit inside of you. And now you can worship God in spirit and in truth, okay? So baseline teaching number two, and you've heard this a lot around here, is um, you were either born twice and you die once or you're born once and you die twice right? So you're either born twice. You have a physical birth, and then we have what the Bible talks about, a a spiritual rebirth, um, a new birth, being born again. So you have this second spiritual birth. We all know the story, John chapter 3, where Jesus is meeting with the Pharisee Nicodemus, right? And I'll pick up in verse 3. 
Nicodemus is coming to Jesus because he's questioning, you know. And in, in verse 3, Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Well, Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Right? Like, I'm feeling like Nicodemus. I'm old. I can't be born again. Can I enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Okay, and so the net result is if you're in here and you're a Christian, you're, you're born twice. You have a physical birth, you have a spiritual birth, and you're only going to die once. It's physically. It's what we talked about last week. If a person is not a Christian, they have a physical birth, they die physically, and then they experience what the Bible calls the second death. And that's where we kind of want to land this morning. I want to talk to you a little bit about the second death. What is the second death. And so um, I've got three points if you're a note taker. They're very simplistic, very basic points. And I'm going to go right out of the gate. Here's, here's the first uh, point. Number one, for the unsaved, and by unsaved, I mean a person who has not submitted their hearts to Jesus Christ. Their heart is not uh, regenerated. They're, they have a dead spirit inside of them. For the unsaved, the second death is bad. There's just no other way to frame it. The second death in the Bible refers to hell. And hell is not a popular subject in churches. This is not really a sermon or a subject matter that's designed to make a church grow. Because nobody wants to hear about it, right? But the, the, the reality of the matter is this. Many people, including church people, including maybe some of you, believe wholeheartedly in heaven but dismiss that there's a hell. They don't believe in hell. Uh, the National Geographic, of all people, published an article entitled, The Campaign to Eliminate Hell. And here's what they, they cited. 20 years ago, the number of Americans who believed in a literal hell was 71%. So majority of Americans believed in hell. That was 20 years ago. The statistics today, and they're, they're falling, they're probably even lower than this. Today, only 58% of people believe in hell. And this is not just unchurched, this is churched and unchurched people don't believe uh, in a literal hell. Only 58%. So it's safe to say hell is not as popular as it used to be, right? Um, many people believe in kind of different doctrines that are associated and wrapped around hell. I'm going to give you a couple. There's three main views. Um, a lot, many, many people believe in a doctrine called annihilation of the wicked, or it's also called annihilationism, okay? And so here's what they believe. They view the second death as the end. So here's what they would say. After the final judgment, when Jesus comes, right, and, and he calls us home. After that judgment, those who are unsaved aren't going to be thrust into hell. They're going to be destroyed. They're just going to be annihilated. And, and, you know, it's not a pleasant thought to think about, but if I was unsaved, I would prefer that, right? I would prefer just not to exist than to have eternity separated from God. So this is called annihilation of the wicked. Now, 
there's a, there's a few problems with this doctrine. I have some issues. And the main issue I have against the doctrine of annihilation of the wicked is that Jesus taught against it. And so I have found that if Jesus teaches against it, I probably don't believe it, right? Listen to the words of Jesus. And he is talking on the subject of hell. Uh, We're going to be in Matthew 25, verse 46. Here's what he says. And these, this is the famous separating the sheep from the goat passage, right? The the, the goats are on the left, the sheep are on the right. Sheep inherit the kingdom of God, goats go into destruction. And he said to, to these... Go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Now, what's interesting, the word eternal is the same word used for punishment or used for life. So what we need to remind ourselves is is that we were all made in the image of of God. Uh, And it's not our bodies, it's our souls. We are eternal beings, right? Remember the the song that came out in the 70s or the 80s, Fame? Fame, I'm gonna live forever. Remember that song? That's why I don't lead worship. But um, yeah, in a real sense, you live forever. Like when you die physically, you don't go away. Uh, We are eternal beings, all right? So there is no destruction, uh, 2 Thessalonians 1, 8 through 9, Paul writes the, this, this, these words. I'm stuttering over myself today. In the flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. So it's, a, it's, a, a, it's a destruction, but it's an eternal destruction. It's a destruction with, with no end. So that is the, the doctrine of annihilation of the wicked. Well, Jesus taught against that. The other popular doctrine about hell is called kind of universalism. And universalism says God is love. God would never, ever send anyone to hell. So universalists believe that if there is punishment, it's remedial, and eventually everybody, we're all God's children, everybody's going to go to heaven, which means say hey to Adolf Hitler because he'll be there with you, right? The, the universalists will even say Satan himself will eventually be able to be reinstated uh, into, into heaven. But again, I have a problem with that because Jesus taught against that. Um, he, let me ask you this question before we go any further. Who taught the most on the subject of hell in the, in the Bible? Jesus. When I ask you a question in church, just say Jesus and you'll be right. Jesus. Nobody taught more on the subject of hell than Jesus. In fact, Jesus taught more on the subject of hell than he did the subject of heaven. And so with that in mind, I'm going to go ahead and tell you right out of the gate, uh, and you would probably expect this. I live in the deep south. I'm at a conservative evangelical church, and I'm a pastor. I believe wholeheartedly in a literal hell. Because if there's not a literal hell, why else would Jesus need to save us? If we were all going to kind of work it out and we we're all going to go to heaven anyway, what in the world did you go through all that for? So, so we're going to preach this. I'm going to preach this from the traditional, there is a literal hell. So in the vein of the second death, it's an eternal death. It's the death 
of, of the soul. So hell is much like the movie Groundhog Day. You ever seen that movie where the, I think it's Bill Murray wakes up and every day is the same and he's going through it? That, that's hell. It's the same thing over and over and over and over again. Every day there is dying and decay, but no relief of annihilation or death. It's this eternal punishment. And when you begin to kind of dig into the teachings of Jesus and, and you talk about the fact that he talks about hell more than anybody in the Bible, he doesn't paint a very good picture, right? He says in, in Luke 16 that hell is a place of eternal torment. He says in Mark chapter 9, it's a place of an unquenchable fire. So it, you feel the burning, but you're not consumed. You're not relieved by not existing anymore. He says it's a place where the worm never dies. So you, you kind of feel like the worms are consuming you, but you're not being consumed. He says it hell's a place in, in Matthew 13 where people will gnash their teeth in anguish and regret. He says in Luke 16, it's a place from which there is no return. So there's no like purgatory where you can work yourself out. You can't even warn your loved ones. In Matthew 25, Jesus calls hell a place of not just darkness, but outer darkness. He compares it in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, to Gehenna, which was the, the dump outside of Jerusalem where all the trash and all the maggots abounded. It is not a pretty place. So are you starting to see why hell is not a popular message to preach? Like if I, raised, I said, hey, who wants to go with me to hell? You shouldn't raise your hand, right? It's not a good place to go. So in the book of Revelation, which we're going we're gonna to go to here, um, we are told about those people who will experience the second death. So let's go to Revelation 21, verse 8. <clears throat> Revelation 21, 8. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Now you got to be careful, right? Because you read this list and then you, you automatically question your own salvation a little bit, right? Because I read this list and I say, man, I've been a coward before. I haven't spoken up when I should. I've been faithless before. Now, I've never murdered anybody, but Jesus said, if you hate someone in your heart, you're just as guilty. Sexual immoral, I I've lusted. I've never done sorcery. Idolater, yeah. Like, I, sometimes I get really, it's really hard for me to get excited about church, but when Dallas Cowboys play today at 4 o'clock, I'll be excited, right? And that could be a form of idolatry. And I've certainly lied. And so you begin to, you begin to read this list and you begin to go, oh, wait a minute. I am some of these things. Is the second death coming for me? I would simply say to you and reassure you, no. Your sins have been paid for. Jesus took all that away. This is why we're here, to praise him because he removed that. He took those sins upon himself. So it's not the sinner that goes to hell. It's the unforgiven, unregenerated sinner. Look at Revelation 20, 14 and 15. The second death is mentioned again here. 
Um, verse 14, and then death and Hades. Hades and hell aren't the same place, by the way. We're going to talk about that in week four. Death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. If anyone's name is not found written in the book of life, they were thrown in the lake of fire. You see, it's those who reject Jesus that experience the second death. And, and I would just say this, and I, I'm almost done depressing you. We're going to end on a positive note here. Um, I think a lot of people kind of envision hell as a place where, like, um, we're enslaved by the devil, and he is, like, going around poking us with a pitchfork, and, and you know, he's just kind of torturing us. But I, I want you to understand, hell is not a place where we're torched by the by, we're Hell is not a place where we are tormented by the devil. Hell is a place where we are tormented with the devil. Hell is made for him and all unregenerate hearts who reject God. So he's going to be in, in as much trouble as we are. So that's bad news for the unregenerated heart. So let's go back to those baseline teachings for a minute. You have a body, a soul, and a spirit. These are the people that have, are going to die twice. Why? Because their spirit is dead. Jesus didn't re regenerate them, so they're born once and they die twice. That's bad news for the unsaved. And let me just say this, it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. 1 Timothy 2 says that, that God desires for all men, men, to be and women, to be saved, to come to a knowledge of the truth. And so I would say this, I know you've heard it a thousand times, but let me just echo it. God doesn't send anyone to hell. Nobody. We choose. The greatest gift other than Jesus Christ that God gave to you is free choice, free will. Because love is not love unless you choose. And so we, we can choose to accept or reject. So it's a bad place for the unsaved. All right. Enough of that bad stuff. Let's, let's move on. Number two, for the saved, for those of us who have been born twice, where our spirit is resurrected inside of us and our soul is cleansed by the blood of Jesus, for the saved, the second death is harmless. We, we don't have to be afraid of the second death. It, it doesn't have to hurt us. I had a friend of mine in Bible college who was saved, and he was always afraid that he was going to hell. And I'm like, are, are you washed by the blood of Jesus? Do you, yeah, what are you worried? We're all going to mess up. It doesn't give us a license to sin, but Jesus covers that. Death, the second death can't hurt us. So I would say it this way. Imagine after church, um, I took you by the hand, and we walked out to 278 there. 278 is a busy highway. And, and we're, we, I said, we're just going to stand here. And then I see, I wait until I see a Walmart truck coming, a big tractor trailer coming, right? And it's just barreling down 278. And I give you the option. Option number one is this. When you see that truck getting close, I want you to step right out in front of it and let it hit you. How many of you would take that option? Okay, good. Option number two is this. I want you to just stay on the side of the road. And when that truck comes, I want you to let the shadow run over you. I'll take option two, right? The Bible explicitly tells us that's what the second death is. David says, I just walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but you're with me. You're there to comfort me. It's a shadow. Shadows can't hurt 
anybody. It's kind of like the illustration we used last week about the bee, right? If there's a bee in here and you're allergic and I grab the bee and it, it stings me in the hand and it stingers there, that bee can buzz around you all at once, but it can't hurt you. Jesus took the sting for us. So the second death is harmless for the believer. Look at Revelation 2.11. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let me pause. Okay, so we read that and we think, well, that's the seven churches in Revelation he's talking to. No, I think he's talking to all churches here. So let me reread it. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to elevate Christian church. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Now we use mostly the ESV translation here, but I want to read it, that same exact verse uh, in a different translation because I love the wording. It's the same thing, just a little bit of a different wording. It's the NIV translation. It says this, He who has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. I love the word victorious here. It reminds me of the uh, 1 Corinthians 15 passage where Paul talks about the resurrection of our bodies and we have victory over death. And we can say, where, old death, is your victory? Where is your sting? Um, We're going to be victorious over death. Because death, especially the second death, is the final enemy that, that, the, that we face. We read this scripture a couple weeks ago, 1 Corinthians 15, 26. Here's what Paul writes. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Now, you got to know the context of what Paul's writing here. He's writing about the end times. He's writing about when Jesus comes back. And, and Paul has written that after Christ returns to the earth, and all of those who belong to him are resurrected, that Jesus will literally set about defeating every ruler, every power, every authority, every antichrist, every spirit of the antichrist, until the enemy is utterly defeated. Now, there's this huge debate, and I don't want to get into it too much. Uh, there's this huge debate over the timeline of how this is going to happen. And, and so it divides people. Well, is Jesus going to come? Is it going to be an instant? Is he going to come and bring us home? And, and, and the second coming happens at once? Or, or no, there's going to be a rapture? Or, or no, there's going to be a thousand-year reign? Or no, this is going to happen? Are you pre-trib, post-trib? Are you dispensational? And we get into all these arguments, and churches divide over, over these things. And people will say, well, I can't worship with you if you believe that, even though nobody really knows the answer, it's all just theory. I just tell people, what does it matter? Be ready. Be ready. Be ready. And so people say, what do you believe in on the second coming? I say, I believe in the pan theory, man. And they shake their head. I'm like, yeah, it's all going to pan out in the end. You just be ready. When Jesus comes, he's going to work it out. Only when this world is conquered, when all these rulers and these secular, you know, all, all the spirit of the Antichrist, when, when Jesus conquers this world, then he will turn the kingdom over to his father. And the final enemy that Christ will defeat is death itself. Now, if you think about it logically, 
Christ's death, that was the beginning of the defeat for the devil, right? That, that was a, that the resurrection of Christ caught the devil off guard. It was one of those, we got him. He's, he's going to die on a cross. And for three days, the devil was like, yeah. And then Jesus rose, and that foiled the devil's plan. And I think it's going to continue with the resurrection of all of us who believe in him. It'll be final when, when death no longer exists. Revelation 21.4, Jesus will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. You see, at that moment, the victory over death and sin will be complete, and those of us who believe in Christ will be free for all eternity. So you go back to those baseline teachings, right? You're born with a body and a spirit and a soul. Your spirit is resurrected. Your soul was cleansed. You have a rebirth. So you're born twice and die once because Jesus defeated death. It's harmless. All right, last point, and we'll get you out of here. This one's a little, a, a little more tricky. This is where, uh, you know, I, I don't mean to, but it's okay. I might step on some toes. Point number three is this. If you're a believer in Christ, if you're going to heaven, if you're going to Zion, you have a responsibility. I have a responsibility. We all have a responsibility. I want you to think about this for a minute. There are so many lost souls in this world. So many. And if I, if I can be frank with you and honest with you, I try to always be transparent with you. I have not slept very well in months, in months, because this is going to sting a little bit. We're not doing a very good job here at the church. We're not doing a very good job. We, we have baptisms and we have salvations, uh, but they're few and far between. We, we, we're on a dry spell, and, and that concerns me. Because our primary focus as a church is to win people to Jesus Christ. And that's got to change, church. That's, that, that's got to change. I want you to think of it this way. Everyone that we come in contact with, whether you know them or you don't, they're, they're, they're headed in one or two different directions. They're either headed down the path of eternal life with Jesus Christ, this abundant life with him, or they're headed down the path of eternal death. There's no in-between, okay? And, and I think what has happened, uh, and I think COVID fostered some of this a little bit, the church has been kind of like shrunk universally. 40% of the church is gone, all right? And so we just are kind of timid and we're kind of afraid. And what's developing is a, it's an us versus them attitude. It's us inside the church versus them outside of the church. And it's very polarizing. And I'm going to be honest with you, I, bl I blame politics for it. You know what I mean? I don't preach politics from the pulpit, but I'm about to for just a second. Um, you, you remember, I, well, some of you don't, but I'm old enough to remember when a Republican and a Democrat could take the gloves off and they could duke it out. And afterwards, they could hug and go sit down and eat dinner together. But today, 
If someone in your own family votes different than you, you won't even invite them to dinner. And, and, and so there's this huge, huge divide. And it's because people are worshiping politics and they're not worshiping Jesus. They're not. You can't worship politics. You, you can't worship a position because it's, it's going to divide you. And so the church is kind of like, well, we're safe inside of here and you've got those people out there. So here's what I want to say. It is not us against them. It should be us for them. We are ambassadors of Christ. We are called to seek and save the lost. We are called to witness to people and not turn our noses up at them. It is us for them. Jude which is a book that you know, we, we don't go to very often in the church because it's a tiny little book. It's one chapter long. And Jude talks about this. I want to read it to you. Uh, Jude 17 through 23 says this, But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, In the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. I mean, you can see that everywhere. Verse 19. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. So their Spirit's dead inside of them. The Holy Spirit doesn't reside in them. But you, now he's addressing us as a church, beloved, whenever you see beloved, he's talking to the church. You, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, and praying in the Holy Spirit. Uh, let me just, I wish I had said this during the nine o'clock hour. Uh, I wish I could go back. But, you know, before we even witness to somebody, it's a good idea to start praying about that person first, right? Praying for the Holy Spirit. It's what the scripture just says. All right, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Now, here's the money phrase. Verse 22, and have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by flesh. So, so in this little passage of Scripture, Jude is, is urging readers like us, Christians like us, to snatch out of the fire unbelievers who are perilously close to entering the second death. Many, many years ago, I went to a, a Atlanta Braves baseball game at Turner Field. And uh, if you remember Turner Field, the parking wasn't great there. And it's like sometimes it's like, where are you parked? I'm down in Macon. You know, I had to walk from, it's just it's hard to find a place to park there. And so it was after a, it was after a Braves game. And we were trying to make our way, you know, back to, to the parking lot. And uh, there were some roads. And, and I was with a, a friend of mine and his wife. It was the three of us. I was the, kind of the third wheel on this little deal. And so we're, we're there waiting to cross the street. And, you know, there's crowds of people. And this bus just comes barreling down the street. And my friend's wife wasn't paying attention. And she just stepped out into the street. I mean, literally almost in front of this bus. And I'd never seen him move so fast. He grabbed her like a horse collar, like back here, and just pulled her back so that she didn't get hit, you know, by a bus. He, he saved her life. Well, I think this is the picture 
that Jude is describing here. Our loved ones who are dangerously close to the fire, are we going to pray about them? Are we going to witness to them? Are we going to try to snatch them to the, to, uh, from the fire? Are we just going to watch them walk down the path of destruction? So we can't save anybody if we're against them, right? It's not going to work. If all we're doing is yelling at them and belittling, belittling them, uh, it's, it's not going to work. That's why he talks about mercy and grace and love when we're witnessing to people. An illustration that I often go back to because it just means so much to me is there was a, a man in the 1800s who was leaving Europe. Uh, he was on a ship that was taking immigrants over, and he was going to start his new life uh, there in, in Europe. And so he is on this ship, and he's like on the bow of the ship, and, and he's just there, and he's got this, this coin, and he's just flipping it in the air, and he's catching it. He's flipping it in the air, and he's catching it. This other man comes out and says, what are you doing? He's like, I'm just thinking about this new world that I'm going to. I'm thinking about you know, this opportunity and, and what I'm going to do. He says, and, and I don't have anything. He said, the only thing I have is this coin. And it was a gold coin. It was thick. It was valuable. He says, this is, this is, gonna, this is how I'm going to start my new life. And he's just flipping it. And the other guy's like, he's, you're over the ocean. You know, what, are you, what are you doing? And he's just confident flipping it. And then all of a sudden they hit a wave and he flips it and the ship turns and the plop, right in the ocean goes the coin. And all the man can do is fall to his knees and he yelled, gone, gone. It's forever gone. Our loved ones, every day could be their last. You, you, we don't know what the day holds in store for us, do we? Like two weeks ago, I almost died in my truck. Uh, my, my ball joint broke and my wheel just collapsed. Luckily, I, wasn't on my, I was in my driveway the night before. I was going 75 miles an hour down uh, I-75. But in, in an instant, things could change. And we've got loved ones that are playing this game day in and day out. And we, we always procrastinate. Well, I'll talk to them. Well, I don't, you know, don't want to offend them. I don't want them to get mad. Oh, so you just are completely okay with him being eternally separated from the Lord? Like, we, we, we've got to understand that for our loved ones, every day could be their last. And if they don't have Jesus, they'll be gone, gone, gone. We hope you enjoyed listening to our podcast today. If you'd like to learn more about Elevate or partner with us in what God is doing here, check out our website at elevatecc.com. Until next time, God bless you and thanks again.